I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. Coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk queer friendly toys. Ooh, sex toys, dongs and dildos <laughs> and butt plugs. Oh my. Uh, whether you're queer or straight or anything else, do we still have to be embarrassed by sex toys? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. I think the world has changed a lot in the last five or ten years. And, you know, especially during this pandemic, sex toy sales had gone skyrocketing. And that includes the LGBTQ plus community. So we're going to talk about it. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. Sandra, we've officially come to that hot part of summer where you seriously do not want to be touched by anyone no matter how sexy they are, honestly. <laughs> Hot and sticky is not sexy. Isn't it the worst when your partner tries to cuddle up next to you in bed, say post-sexy time or maybe under normal circumstances, and you would be all in for it if the temperature were reasonable. But now it's so hot, you think, do I stink a little? When they finally try and move, it feels like you're peeling a Band-Aid off. <laughs> you're almost like stuck together. Listen, Yes, I, I listen. I don't get close enough to my husband to find out, but I, if memory serves, <laughs> if memory serves, uh, you know, you know, Tim basically has more hair on him than most dogs. So he, I've often said, sleeping with Tim in the summertime is like sleeping with a wet shag rug, and it's like I can't even. But that's one thing. But the skin on skin when it's thirty eight with the humidex, I'm out. Yeah, and then the other option is to use the sheet as some weird sort of protective layer. <laughs> yeah, but then there's not enough of it, and somebody's butt's going to hang out. Yes. Um, can we also address um, the what's happening in our pants right now? What? Pardon? Like, okay, so so today I'm wearing like a little a little dress to my knees, and I'm wearing my little, you know, underneath I'm wearing my little panties, and I'm just like, I just feel warm. I just feel, I feel like it, you know, like it's, I just like it's hot and I'm getting chub rub and everything is like sweaty and I just feel, I just feel disgusting. I feel disgusting with myself. Right. But then the only other option is to wear those bike short things. And there is no way to make that look sexy when yes. he comes up behind you and he lifts your skirt only the, to find a pair of granny <laughs> nude beige silky bike shorts. Hot. Yeah. Not hot. <laughs> I know. And who wants an extra layer when it's 40 with the human? Like, you don't want that in your life. So this summer, I'm like, I'm going to buy a pretty dress. I'm going to buy a cute little dress. I'm going to be cute because I don't give two shits. And every once in a while, there'll be a gust of wind and my undercarriage gets cooled off. And I doesn't everybody love that? But then and then the rest of the time, I'm just like everything feels moist and I don't like it. What about now I, I bought uh, this Jeep and it has leather seats? And I've I, apparently in the world of cars, you can get cooling seats. Oh, yeah. Chris's brother, he just got a new ride and he has these. And basically, they blow cool air through your seat and help air everything out. And it takes care of all your swaths, you know, dries it up. <gasps> I don't have that. <laughs> I need that. Because every time I get out of my Jeep, it's like peeling off these goddamn thighs off the leather. And it's just a, another, it's like a, a, it's a lesson in humiliation every time. Right. And then you're walking around with the imprint of the upholstery plastered to your ass and the backs of your legs. Or it looks like you just got spanked, which quite frankly would be 
maybe less irritating. Oh my God. I hate summer. I, the only people that are sexy are young girls who wear crop tops and their little tiny short shorts. They have no idea. They have no idea what it's like, little jerks. I see them and I'm like, you guys are living your best lives. That you don't jiggle when you walk. You know what I mean? Every Everything is tight and uh, and perfect. And fuck yourselves. So technically, Pride Month has officially ended, but we wanted to squeeze in one more Pride episode if we could. It's a conversation we've actually wanted to have for a while about queer-friendly sex toys. Yes. And today we're really excited to welcome Sam Whittle, who is a sex educator and therapist and the owner of Venus Envy Ottawa. Hey, Sam. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Sam, welcome to the Q and the D. Can't wait to get into this with you because it's a pretty titillating and exciting topic. To get us started, you have an LGBTQ2 positive friendly sex store. What makes a sex toy queer friendly? Like what's different about it? Yeah, so I think the interesting thing is that, you know, sex, like anyone can use any sex toy, really. I mean, there's some um, maybe... Uh, differences in terms of body parts, like what might work the best, but really any sex toy can be a queer, uh, friendly sex toy, depending on how you use it uh, and who's using it. I think the biggest difference really is uh, in terms of marketing. So um, lots of toys get marketed towards um, straight people and and cis people, um, but can definitely be used by queer folks. Um, though sometimes it's uncomfortable as a queer person to sort of pick up a sex toy and uh, see, you know, this sort of really specific, like hetero marketing, often like really cheesy yeah. <laughs> marketing, um, and and feel like you know that that toy's not meant for you, even though usually like there's you know, again, anyone can use any sex toy. So I think there's not so much. Um, like a a category of sex toys that are queer specific. It's more about um, your imagination. And I think queer people are amazing at taking things that are sort of meant for, uh, not meant for them and queering them and turning them into things that are excellent for, for queer sex in this case. Um, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I be perfectly honest with you guys? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Full disclosure. I was in Montreal recently and I went to a sex store in, mm. in uh, for research purposes. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. Job. And I, I, I walked by a crazy wall of dildos that scared the hell out of me. Like I've never. <laughs> I don't scare easy. Can I just say that? But this scared the hell out of me. And then I, you know, in knowing that we were going to do this podcast, I started really looking around and I just thought if I was a queer person, I walked into a, a sex store. They are so hetero. Like so crazy hetero, and I didn't see really any mention of of anything that would be geared towards an LGBTQ plus person at all. And I thought that's a shame. You know, do you find that's a big problem in the industry? I do. Yeah, I think it's changing more now, and there are some great like we carry some stuff by some uh, really excellent smaller companies that are um, either queer owned or or really inclusive. So um, New York Toy Collective is a good example of a company that's making really uh, toys that are really sort of like thoughtfully designed to be used by anyone, but especially with queer people in mind. Um, 
But aside from those smaller companies, there's still not a ton out there um, that's, yeah, that's marketed for queer or trans people. Uh, it, it is changing, but it's changing very slowly, I would say. Right. But like even sometimes as a straight female, a straight cis female walking into like a traditional sex store, I got to be honest, I don't feel like a lot of that stuff is meant for me either. Like it, it doesn't feel welcoming. So it's just so overt. There's no, like no romance or mystery. Yeah, I, I also think that's true. I mean, so at Venus MB, I don't know if either of you have been in the store or... I have. Um, I actually okay. have. You know, I'll, full disclosure, uh, you know, I've often talked about my transgender son. And early in the days, we heard that you were a queer friendly uh, store. So uh, oh, we, nice. we had gone in there so, for binders early, oh, early okay. on. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, we were familiar with the store. And I will say something. My son at the time was 13, 14, 13, yeah. maybe the first time we went to Venus Envy. I called in advance and I had said, listen, here's the situation. I'd like to bring my son to buy binders. I want him to be there to try them on. And, you know, is it cool? And you guys were like, of course it's cool. You get yourself in here. And yeah. we had to walk into the store and Hillary, there's like, you know, there's, there's products that are adult. But it was just... There's a wall of dildos still, Okay, yeah. there's a wall of dildos. <laughs> so you kind of know what you're going to get when you're going in a sex store. It is, but, you know, I found it more <laughs> educational, too. So that there was, yeah. you know, you, you do have products for trans people. And I just thought, this is so great that there's a place for him to go if he, he, he has a, a comfort level here. But he did snicker hard when we walked by the dildos. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was snickering. Oh, come on, Sandra. You yeah. were snickering, too. Yeah, it's true. We really... Um, try to set up the store and and do all the work we do in a way that that counters that um, sort of like, you know, a lot of what else is out there. So we try and make the store comfortable for anyone who's going to come in um, uh, as, you know, as, as comfortable as, as uh, a sex store can be if you're new, <laughs> nervous. Um, but yeah, we don't like, we don't have any kind of, um, uh, marketing like big sort of like um a lot of the sex toy packages just have like pictures of you know you can imagine the like cheesy pictures of couples yeah um, and we, we try to like keep all of that you know in the drawers or not carry those products or like as little as possible have that sort of hanging around because i think the message that it sends to people even if it's implicit is that you know these people are sexy these people get to have sex these people get to experience pleasure. And if you don't look like these people, then you don't. And so that, I mean, it definitely rules out queers, but also like people of, you know, lots of different body sizes and shapes. The people on those packages are often white. So it like, you know, rules them out of feeling sexy. And, and so we just, we don't want to perpetuate that messaging sort of in the store. Yeah. You know, you know, it's funny too. Another thing you, you, you're right. It, they, they certainly, they certainly target a certain person and on the packaging. And then when, when sometimes you go in, you see like, you know, the, the leather and the lace section where there's like the sexy bras and the sexy underwears. Yeah. There's no plus size there for a, a, a curvy girl. I've never seen that before. And I've often thought, what about me? Uh, yes. Am I not sexy? Am I not worth dressing up? I'm a size 16, but I can't find a size 16 in that in any of those stores. So I found that too. I feel like it excluded, like it's not for me or I. My size isn't considered sexy. Maybe. Yeah, totally. That happens so often. Um, I will. I'll give a quick clip, quick plug. We don't sell um, any. Um, uh, underwear or laundry, but the alternative is actually another store in Ottawa that I've heard has a great 
um, plus size section if anyone is, is looking for stuff. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You're totally right. There's, there's the, uh, interestingly, the sort of view that like big sex toy companies have about people have sex is so narrow, which is funny because uh, that's, that's really not the case in terms of who's having sex. One thing, one thing that I've noticed about a lot of sex toys these days, you know, from my deep dive into a, an investigation for this very serious podcast, uh, how many options you have yeah. by the way of look? Like I've noticed there's, there's a lot of options. Like yeah. it's not all big, realistic, veiny dildos. There are some products that are just like downright cute yeah. and like pretty pink little vibes and purple silicone rings. And there, there seems to be a shift happening in the design of toys. I think sex toys now are even more than like five years ago are just something that's a bit more, um, acceptable, maybe a bit more used, uh, or, or maybe not more used, but more people will talk about using them. <laughs> um, and, and so I think consumers actually have made a big difference in that, um, in wanting to feel like, oh, I, I want a dildo that feels comfortable for me. And so maybe what I want is, you know, pink and, and with, I don't know, stars or happy faces, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe what I want is something really realistic, but I think everyone should have the option. Uh, of something that makes them feel good and feel sexy because ultimately um, that's what you want when you're when you're having sex whether it's with yourself or, or somebody else right or maybe yeah. you want a vibrating blue butt plug that looks like a bunch of grapes we all have our things right <laughs> I guess we have grapes <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> are we talking about butt plugs now because I'm, I'm game if you guys are <laughs> I'm definitely game. Okay, I, I okay. Mean, well, I, I talk about every day. Yeah, I know. No kidding. You know, when I think of like sex toys, and I know we're we're trying to focus now on queer friendly sex toys. I I honestly think there's only two things that I see when I go into a store. I see dildos and I see butt plugs, and the rest of it is just like weird smelling creams <laughs> and lube. <laughs> you know, there's like a crazy amount of lube in this world. In fact, I sure, saw yeah. I saw a jug of lube when I was at the store, like a like a Costco size jug oh, of yeah. lube, and I'm like, "What is yeah, happening yeah. in your life that you need a jug of lube?" <laughs> and can I be part of it? Thank you. Like maybe they would just like to be really slippery. <laughs> so I mean, for, so beyond those two things, what what would appeal to somebody in the LGBTQ plus community? What else is there? Yeah, again, like it's so broad and queer and trans people are, I mean, like all kinds of different toys. I think, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm I'm like having a trouble with examples because really like like people have sex with all kinds of different things. Right. Oh, I think we can talk about things, for instance, like if two people are having sex and they both have vulvas, um, things like harnesses and dildos might be really um, interesting or double dildos or... Um, uh, yeah, something like that. Um, or like all the kind of penis and butt toys, um, you know, lots of, of queer um, folks with penises might enjoy those. Um, but again, it's just like so <laughs> I think the stereotype is is that um, gay men want all the butt toys and the lesbians want all the harnesses and dildos. And what's interesting about working in a sex store is you realize that that's not true 
Oh, necessarily. Oh. And actually, like, there's lots of people who like those things. There's lots of queer people who don't like those things. Like, the world of sex is just so expansive and so full of, of things you could possibly use. Um, I will, I guess, I, I will say there are some things um, that are coming out now. Like, New York Toy Collective makes sort of a range of, of like, packers and different dildos that are especially designed for, for queer people or, um, like, transmasculine um people uh in a way that uh you know might feel more comfortable or more authentic for those folks um so something like that might be a, 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 something that you might not find in every sex store um but that can be really great and affirming for some people so what i'm sort of getting from this is it's not the toys that make your store friendly it's more the attitude of your store and the way you help people find what they're looking for maybe what they don't know they're looking for yeah, I think so. And, you know, often, like, people will come in and say, well, you know, where where are the women's toys and, and where are the men's toys? Or, like, well, can I, I you know, I, I I can I use this toy this way because there's, like, this kind of person on the packaging and that's not who I am? Um, and our approach is, like, yeah, there, there are no such things as women's toys and men's toys. There are just toys that you can use sort of however you want to, which wouldn't, yeah, it might not be the approach of, of every store. So for us, that's really important. Um, to, yeah, to, to help people um, expand their imaginations and their fantasies and their possibilities about what you can do with sex toys. Sam, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, sure. Okay. How does somebody become an owner of a sex toy store? Like, where did that happen? How did that happen for you? Uh, well, I, so I worked at the store out of university, so I didn't start the store. I, I, um, bought it from the previous owner. Um, but before I owned it, I worked at the store, um, and loved it. Like I just, I think I've always been interested in, in sex. I don't know. <laughs> I've just always found it really fascinating, um, to talk to people about sex. And, um, yeah, so I worked at the store and I loved it. And one thing I found was that, um, uh, people would sometimes come in and want to talk about things, um, like, like healing from assault or pain or all kinds of different things that might um, uh, benefit from more than sort of like, you know, a 20-minute conversation in the store. Um, and so then I went to do my master's in social work to become a, a sex therapist, which was which I, I now am, but sort of along the way uh, ended up buying the store from, from the previous owner who I knew and who, who I'm friends with um, because I love that, you know, there's like this good mix of of talking to people about fun things and pleasure and then also getting to um, dig into and, and help people heal from some of those more difficult experiences around sex. When you bought the store, when you started working at the store compared to where you are now, because, you know, I, I will say something. Years ago, I went into a sex store and I was very embarrassed and I wanted to buy something for myself. And I did. Yeah. The, and I did the old, I'm going to a bachelorette party and I have to buy something crazy. 
Oh yeah, I totally lied. I yeah, told yeah. someone. There's a lot of people buying things for their friends. For their friends, and I did. Yeah. And I did that, and I walked out going, "Why can't I just own my sexuality? Like, why can't why can't I just say this is for me? I need some stuff from my bedside table." And that's yeah. the end of the story. Knowing that of all places, I'm never going to be judged. It's in a place like that, obviously. Yeah. But then I found when I was in Montreal recently, I just walked in. I gave zero fucks, and I <laughs> had a good time. I was mulling around. I spent a good time in there. I learned. I asked questions, and I walked out going, "What is going on?" That Five short years ago, I couldn't own this, and today I give zero shits. So do you find that people's attitudes have really relaxed and changed and people are just owning their sexuality more than when you started working there? Um, I mean, yes, I would say overall. I think the Internet has made a big difference because, you know, now you can find a buzz, like a million BuzzFeed lists of the, you know, 25 best butt plugs you should own in 2020 or whatever, <laughs> which just makes it, you know, less, a bit less stigmatized maybe than it, than it used to be. Um, but at the same time, lots of people are still nervous. They're still really shy um, talking about sex, which makes sense because it's not something that, that gets talked about a lot. I would love to know, how do you think you, you sort of came all that way in five years? Oh, I'm old now. So I give, I, you'd be amazed. I, uh, you just stop giving fucks. Yeah. yeah. She gives zero fucks right now. Like zero. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, you know, there's just a point in your life where it's like, what, 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 is, what do I have all these hangups for? Because, you know, don't forget, yes. we've talked about this before. I grew up in the patriarchy, a Greek, uh, European family where I was never, I know no one ever had a conversation with me. I was always told and spoken right. to and, and you're doing this and you're doing that. And I wasn't allowed to have a voice. So growing up like that, I had body image issues and blah, blah. And, you know, I'm also, you know, a size 16. So I always felt that I wasn't allowed to own my sexuality the way maybe a younger or a smaller woman would. Mm-hmm. So there were all of those issues. But now, um, like I am, I'm super cool with my size. I think I'm the best I've ever looked actually. And because I give zero fucks, that's part of it. You know, the attitude. So, um, yeah, I'd have no problem leaving, um, you know, a sex store with a 10-inch dick. No problem. Yeah, right, Sandra. You show off. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> make, it, honestly, make that a seven. Think- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sandra, have you had a chance to go online to their Facebook page and see the list of classes? That they offer when they're up and running and it's not COVID rules? <laughs> yes. These look so fun. Uh, how about how to have a threesome? Delicious Hello. dominant skills? Hello. Yeah. And uh, I yeah. just have to know, what would someone expect to see walking into a class called Going Down and Eating Out? It's a live demo. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, it's not a live demo. <laughs> Can I be the patient? <laughs> no, no. It's two very, very fun, friendly facilitators, usually talking about um, anatomy, talking about some tips and tricks, talking about uh, basically how to go down on someone um, and how to make it the most pleasurable experience for them. Uh, can I Can I speak to that? Yeah. I would say that most of the men I've ever met have no idea how to go down on a lady. I think, yes. I think one of the, maybe one of the only depressing things about working 
at a sex store, and I've heard this from people across many sex stores, is that the blowjob workshops always sell out, <laughs> and the eating out workshops are rarely well attended. Good goddamn! So, of course they aren't, because these yeah. guys have no idea that they're shitty at all. <laughs> For sure. But I think like as a straight female, if at some point my relationship broke up and I fell in love with like this beautiful, stunning woman, I would have no idea what I was doing. Or at least I would feel like I have no idea. And I wouldn't want to mess it up because I'd be some sort of rookie. So why not take a course? I mean, I would totally take a course, even if it was just to figure out the communication part, which is pretty much most of it anyway, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but we, we could just say that in all our <laughs> workshops with people. That disappoints people a little, yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's true. And and I mean, of course, like uh, also in the oral sex workshops, we get lots of queer folks as well because it's not like just because you happen to have that kind of body that you know what's going to work for somebody else's or that you've been taught like um, how to how to even pleasure yourself, let alone somebody else. Right. Hil- yeah. yeah, Hillary, you know what? I think because we're women, I think we would be probably awesome if we ever if we ever partnered <laughs> up with another woman. I've always said if I if I, I and I have it. I mean, I, you know, I went to college a little bit and I did some stuff, but <laughs> as we all have. But for the most part, I am, you know, a hot blooded heterosexual lady. And I would say this if I ever did with another woman, I think I'd kill it. I honestly think I'd be amazing at it because I know it, I know precisely what I like. And given what I know about my own body and my own parts, I think I could deliver, I think, a slam dunk, honestly. Right, Sandra, but what if they don't like what you Um, like? I can't imagine them not liking because I think I would be full coverage. (laughs) I think I'd do a good job. I would be total full coverage. And then, you know, you you read people, right? You read what they like and how their body reacts and the sounds that come out of them. And I think I'd be great at it, honest to God. But I, I, might, I probably only give them five minutes because I am a lazy lover in many ways. So. I, I don't, put, don't put that on your Tinder profile. No, I won't. I'm a lazy lover and I like to starfish. Yeah. Hillary, what about you? Do you think you could pull it off? I don't know. Like I wouldn't want to go in overconfident and then not be able to deliver on the promise of mind-blowing sex. Like I'd rather <laughs> surprise and delight, you know? Uh, okay. Can we talk about blowjobs? Sure. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, okay. Well, I want to ask about, you said the blowjob workshop sells out. Um, please tell me that it's well attended by both men and women. Um, definitely men come to the blowjob workshop. I would say the, mostly it's women who show up. Um, yeah, that's, I think <laughs> What it is, yeah. Would you care to elaborate? <laughs> Listen, I'll say, I mean, obviously there's, there's, you know, patriarchy happening here where women are, uh, you know, this is a broad generalization, but where women tend to be more secure, uh, insecure about their skills around sex. And so we'll come to a workshop. But also I think that, um, that it is, uh, harder sometimes for men to talk about sex in a really vulnerable way because we don't also see that um, represented very well in, you know, sort of our culture. Um, and there's this idea that men are already know what to do, that if you don't know what to do, it's like you're not a very good man. 
Um, and so I think that's there too, if I'm going to, I, I do think that that's true and that that's part of what gets in the way um, of people showing up. But I wish that they would, you know, people would, would work through those things and still show up. Um, so it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like women and men, at least in the hetero world, because that's my experience, uh, they have different kinds of pressure. Like, I feel like women have more pressure to show up to the bedroom looking hot and sexy, yeah. where guys have more of a pressure to perform and satisfy. And then our egos get all wrapped up into that. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that happens. And so, like, I mean, because we're talking about queer sex, one of the amazing things about queer sex is that not necessarily that those things go away, but that you get to have sex outside of that, um, out, outside of that kind of like, I guess, paradigm of what sex is supposed to look like, which is why I think like queers have such great, uh, I'm saying so queer and trans people have such great um, uh, imaginations about sex and what they can do with, with toys and um, who they can have sex with and how many people <laughs> That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty hot. You know, it's funny that I, you, we talk just going back to that blowjob workshop for a second and how, uh, you know, I want to know, and again, I'm, I'm framing this in a heterosexual way because that's been my experience, but, yeah. uh, but how come so many guys think they're good in bed when they aren't? <laughs> because, and when I, when I say that I take responsibility because how many of us as women or men queer or not, whatever, have told, have pretended to be satisfied after getting laid when it's been shitty sex and you sit there and then that person thinks that they just did a great job and you're thinking you just want to die because it was so shitty and they walk around doing that same shit over and over and over to the next, (laughs) to their next partner or you faked it because you just wanted it to end early because I faked it more times than I care to admit in my younger days anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, right. And then they think it's like some magic combination of moves that gets you off every single time. And that's what you're getting for the rest of the relationship. Now I don't fake. I don't need to fake it. I barely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of a certain age. I'm lucky to have one. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to pretend. And so, yeah. Why do you think our egos get so tied into our performance in the sack? Like, why are we so afraid to open up and have a conversation? Because it's not just an opportunity to learn about, like, what you did wrong. It's an opportunity to learn what you can do better to make someone happier in the future. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's just easier. I think it's so hard for everyone to talk about sex. Um, And so people just don't. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, really, I think that's... Or maybe don't until, like you're saying, they have some more confidence or are a bit older. Um, and that leads to, you know, people go to other places like porn to learn about how to have sex. And I'm, I'm, I'm into porn. I love porn, but it's not educational. I think that's an important message that we need to get across, that you can't watch porn to learn how to have sex well. Um, but people do. And so and, and don't think they should ask their partners you know, what they want or what would feel good. And I think that's a big part of it, honestly. Ah, egos. (laughs) Back to the blowjobs for a second. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, back to porn, though, for a second. Is there a, I mean... You're right. Using porn as a, a method uh, to educate people is probably not a good idea because I've never had 
anybody in my life who's porn fucked me. That has never happened and it never will. And my body can't do what those lady bodies do or vice versa. You know, it just, it doesn't work that way. And, you know, sometimes you'd see lesbian sex and whatever. And I'm just like, um... I, I don't I don't know that it goes that way every time, you know, because, yeah, because no, they, they sure. always have the same, it always has the same sequence and the same ending. It's like, no, it's not like that. Uh, where's the romance, man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where yeah is, where's the awkwardness? Where's the person falling off the bed or bodies making weird noises? <laughs> yeah, what what if I'm gassy, huh? Let's address yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's happening. You know what? At the end of the day, Sex is like fun and super satisfying and that's all great, but it's also kind of gross. Like it's a lot of mess. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that we also ideal, I mean, if you've had some great moments during sex, uh, in afterwards, in the afterglow of sex, you'll tend to focus on the good things and not like the messy part of it. Because sex is messy too. Yeah. And somehow we just kind of like gloss all over that. Yeah, totally. And that's just part of, I mean having sex with people is being weird and messy. I think that's part of what makes it so amazing, honestly. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I don't like the mess. (laughs) I have, I, and me too. And I have like wipes that I use because I'm just like obsessed with my own body constantly. I don't, I don't, well, there's there's waterproof blankets you can get if. (laughs) What? Seriously? Oh, can, before, speaking of waterproof, can we talk about squirting? Yeah, sure. I, Hillary, actually saw that you have, like, a a workshop on squirting. Yes. What's that like? The the workshop or the squirting? Both. (laughs) Curious about both and asking for a friend, just if you're wondering. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's one thing that, funnily enough, it seems to be more and more popular. Like, more people show up at the workshop uh, lately. Um, It's, you know, something that some people with... um, vaginas can do not something that everyone might might try and or might might be able to do um but i think a lot of it is just about sort of like um uh being so in the moment and letting go um and really experiencing that pleasure because i think a a lot more probably people with vaginas could squirt but hold it back because they're worried about like you said the mess uh the laundry (laughs) the the sort of whatever yeah May I be honest about my fear about all of that business? I, yeah. I'm trying to remember, but I, I think I did. I'm, I either squirted or peed. I'm not 100% sure what happened. But um, that's my fear is that that's my fear is that I'm going to pee. And that's not, that's, a, nice, that's, that's not yeah. a nice way to end a, a sex session with anybody. That's, that's most people's fear. That's why most people hold back. I will say it's, it's pretty likely that it's not pee. Like if you've ever tried to pee when you're super turned on, um, or like, you know, immediately after sex. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, you'll know that that's a hard thing to do. It's, so it's it's probably not pee. But even if it is, like, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> the urine's pretty sterile. That's I, I think, like, that's another thing. Bodies just do weird things. But if, you know, you have the most amazing, pleasurable sex and you happen to pee a little bit at the end, I think that's kind of worth it, personally. <laughs> it's like a dog leaving its mark. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> but it's probably not pee. I, I will say there have been studies. It's, it's uh, like squirting is really similar to prosthetic fluid, so like a fluid made by the prostate. Okay. Um, it's 
if you ever sort of like, you know, examined it, <laughs> it, it looks very like it's a clear liquid. It looks really different than, than pee. Like put it in a Petri dish afterwards and a microscope and investigate it further? I mean, sure, if you if you wanted to do that precise. <laughs> so I have to ask, what does your family think about all this? I mean, from working in a sex store to owning a sex store to being a sex therapist. Like, does your mom know you teach lessons on how to squirt and how to eat pussy? <laughs> yeah, they do. I'm not quite this explicit with them about the details. <laughs> um, they're, you know, they're 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 happy about it, but we don't talk about the details a lot. I would say, I would say that, but they're very supportive. Did you grow up in a sex positive house? Um, I didn't grow up in a sex negative house, but it wasn't something we talked about a lot. And actually, I don't, my mom might kill me for saying this on a in public but but her friends tease her that uh uh about the fact that her daughter owns a sex store because it's you know not a comfort not a topic she's super comfortable um talking about i would say but she tried really hard to not pass that on and i guess she did a good job <laughs> yeah i'd say you seem pretty comfortable talking about the many wonders of the human body yeah i am i am so yeah and uh, what about friends and Family, other family members, do they come to you for advice? Family members, not so much. Uh, friends do, though, for sure. And that's, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk to friends. Uh, I, I like it less when random people in bars come up to me and ask me sex advice. <laughs> um, but no, for friends or, or people I know, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today, Sam. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was a great. We, 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 I know that we were, our focus was queer friendly toys, but of course we got to squirting and all the other stuff pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Queer squirt too. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. if anybody wants more information on uh, Venus Envy, why don't you just give out the website? Sure. So it's just venusenvy.ca. Okay. That's perfect. Sam, thank you again. Sam, thank you so, so much. This episode is over, but the conversation doesn't have to be. Follow Hillary and Sandra on social. Instagram at Hillary on Air at Sandra Kiss 1053. Twitter at Hillary Welch at Sandra Kiss 1053. And on Facebook at Quick and Dirty Podcast. Got a question? Email Hillary and Sandra, the quick and the dirty at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can download the podcast each week to your mobile device to listen offline. Find the quick and the dirty on FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts.